Hi, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. Yes, we're back. Uh, this time uh, we're travelling, uh, traversing the orange islands of the Pokemon universe, I suppose. Uh, this is Pokemon the movie 2000, semicolon, the power of one. Is that right? Or is it just the colon, the power of one? I think the power of one is like it's in a... the first movie they had Mewtwo strikes back. Mm. So that's just to designate where the main feature begins and the pre-feature... I mean, Ends. there's just so many titles. They're going to get to maybe 150 titles by the end of the Pokemon movie franchise, perhaps. Well, the Japanese title is Gekijoban Poketo Monster Maboroshi no Pokemon Rudia Bakutan. Ah, oh, what does that stand for? It's literally Pocket Monsters, the movie, the Phantom Pokemon, Ludia's Explosive Birth. Interesting. Okay. So we'll just call it Pokemon 2000 for the benefit of this episode. This is our first sequel mm. i think we've done this is our first return to a franchise yes i think of our episode so far we covered pokemon the first movie back in episode five mm-hmm. and i've listened to that a few times since then and uh <laughs> oh, okay yeah just to, to relive the, the pleasure of the film because i remember quite enjoying that and also relieving the pleasure of um, our guest who has returned to, <laughs> to he's our resident Professor Oak. Um, by day, he is um, not only an animator, animation director, and also being uh, our resident Pokemon professor, he sends 10-year-olds out into the countryside to seek explosive, uh, otherwise dangerous animals. Um, it is Hamish Steele. Hello. Hi, I mean, Professor Oak just wants to get all the pallet town so he can have sex with their mums. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He's like a reverse child catcher, I suppose. Um, but yes, yeah, so halfway through the main movie, he does cycle up to Ash's mum's house. We get the impression she, he goes there quite a lot. And uh... <laughs> There's like two houses in this town. Mm. Um... But yes, thank you for returning. How are things? <laughs> um, I'm feeling slightly exhausted. Yep. Um, I feel like I've been on a very long flight <laughs> after watching were you, that film. Were you flying without wings? Oh, like the Westlife gosh. song. <laughs> so it's a very strange song for a film in which there are more wings than I can count. No. Although I don't really know what Lugia's things are. No, he kind of... Big well, arms. Lugia floats. He has big um, paws. Strange. Um... I, I know um, my mother-in-law is actually really into Westlife, and so I think she's thrilled. I don't know if I could sit her in front of this. I think she'll be, she'll be trying her patience, perhaps. Their length is somewhat tenuous. I thought you were going to say she's a big fan of Lugia. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what does Lu- what's wrong with Lugia? So Lugia, I mean, this... I mean, if you don't, if you haven't already guessed, Pokemon the Movie 2000 came out in the year 2000. Or 1999, if you're in Japan. Yes, in Japan. Because they um, got the uh, 21st century first. But we were discussing when, when, which Pokemon game had just come out. It was like gold and silver. Mm. And just in regards to Lugia, I feel that for a plot 
is revolving around these uh, legendary Pokemon so much. We'll get to the plot in a moment, but it's predominantly <laughs> about flying legendary Pokemon. I feel like Lugia... Was that like Lugia's like the only gold and silver Pokemon in this? Or are there... There's, There's seem... Slowking. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Pokemon Pikachu's uh, summer vacation in the last movie had more red, gold and silver Pokemon than this one. Is that right, Hamish? Pokemon expert. Uh, um, I think so. I'm I'm not exactly sure on the timeline and in terms of like when the anime in Japan was happening mm. in regards to the uh, games. As British boys, our timeline of Pokemon events is slightly warped. I mean, in the in the games themselves, there's actually more complicated timelines and reboots and alternate universes than you'd imagine. And the Pokemon games are constantly remaking themselves. Well, that's kind of why we decided to take our second stab at Pokemon movies this time round because of the imminent release of Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu and Eevee. I think back in our previous Pokemon the First Movie episode... We were just discussing the prospect of a Switch Pokemon game Mm -hmm. because they hadn't revealed, I think, these games at this point. But yes, so Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu and Eevee. And and because of that, we were also discussing whether we would cover this film, Pokemon 2000, or whether we would jump to Pokemon I Choose You, Mm. uh, which was a sort of reboot of the film franchise in a way. And so that would tie in with how this new Pokemon game is kind of um, sort of reimagining of Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, if that's right. Yeah, it's predominantly Yellow, which itself was already a remake in which they tried to kind of fuse the world of the anime and uh, an interesting kind of parallel. Let's go Pikachu and Eevee is very much trying to get the big, you know, the huge amount of fans of Pokemon Go into the main series games. Yellow was trying to do the same with the anime. And they had things like Team Rocket, and you had Pikachu as a starter Pokemon. Uh-huh. But yeah, like remakes are very much a part of the Pokemon franchise. The, I mean, the originals of Red and Green then got remade as Blue, and then got remade as Yellow, and then there was Fire Red and Leaf Green in sort of the mid noughties mm. and then this again. It's just sort of a part of the formula. And like this, this these Let's Go games are very much. I mean, I've, I've already pre-ordered it, but it's <laughs> it's, it's among my more uh, obligatory um, Nintendo purchases, I suppose. But I've I've watched elderly people play Pokemon Go on the bus. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's definitely. I say elderly. Maybe they were just they were young when Pokemon first came <laughs> out, and so now playing Pokemon has made them look really, really old. But uh, well, I mean, it makes absolute sense from a business perspective. I saw a, I, I'm going to get these numbers slightly wrong, but I saw a list of the Pokemon company's earnings over the years, mm-hmm. and years in which a Pokemon game came out, they'd make about ten million. Years which they didn't, they might make about five million. Mm. And then the year that Pokemon Go came out, they made two hundred and fifty million, <laughs> oh, right, and have since made the same. And it's kind of, it, I can imagine the Pokemon main series of which there is a new one coming out next year. And main series basically means the ones in which new Pokemon are introduced, like okay, hundred at a time. So just just clue me up. This Pokemon Let's Go 
is that just an advanced version of Pokemon Go, or it's not? So it's not a story. There's... So Pokemon is divided into generations. Mm-hmm. Gold and Silver's Generation Two, uh, and we're uh, we're up to seven. Okay. And um, that started with Sun and Moon on the 3DS. And Pokemon Let's Go is considered still part of Generation Seven. I see. Because even though uh, it doesn't introduce like a hundred new Pokemon and a new region and new mechanics and things, it's much more about uh, it's a remake. And Nintendo, when they announced Let's Go, were very adamant to make sure everyone knew that Generation Eight was coming next year. It'll all be normal. But this is very much a way to try and connect the two hmm. fandoms. And, and it seems like the fandoms are. And correct me if I'm wrong. They're pretty chill about all this, really. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, no they're I mean not. they're 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 chill in the sense that there's still a little anticipation for um, Generation Eight. Okay, but I think when it was announced, it was quite a like gritted teeth moment. Very, I mean, like the entitlement of game and fandoms is nothing nothing new, but like. Uh, sorry for your, your audience of gamer listeners. <laughs> no, <laughs> but right. no, but you hear it like, I I mean, there recently was something with Diablo where basically they announced That's what I was thinking, a mobile yeah. game and people got angry as if they're no longer going to make non-mobile games. Mm. I think mobile games, obviously, clearly, if Pokemon Go is anything to go by, connect to a much wider audience and can be very useful in getting... I don't think Pokemon's ever been bigger than it was mm. un- until, you know, first time around. Um, it's possibly even more profitable these days because the people that are into it are all kind of 20-year-olds and Yeah, whatever. people with disposable incomes. Yeah, it's people not that... just parents buying stuff for their kids. Yeah, and I think um, there was a lot of backlash to just the concept and I think these aren't going to be the most popular uh, in fandom, but then when you look at things like, you know... I think of fandom as the people that play the main series games, but if I if you, you know talk about those income levels, like... There are more people who are casual than there are mm. pro. I, I'm using very mm. like whatever term. So they are the fandom. In fact, Pokemon Go is so big that I think a very big deal. They actually debuted a new Pokemon in Pokemon Go before anywhere else. <gasps> it actually it was I actually uh, it's a bigger <laughs> Pikachu uh, at Thought Bubble this year. This comic convention in Leeds. Um, I opened Pokemon Go in the morning and I saw a Pokemon I had never seen before. Uh-huh. And I have never had that experience in a game before because I well, like. We're sorry, but you were saying in the first Pokemon episode how much you uh, loved the original Pokemon games because it wasn't unexplored territory. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't had that experience since you know my childhood. I I I thought it was a glitch or something, and I ran outside, and someone else from the comic convention ran out with me, and we were going around Leeds trying to see what the silhouette was, mm-hmm. and then we found it. It was like a puddle with a cog in it <laughs> um which i think is a very special beautiful boy uh but like i think that's so interesting and i think the pokemon i think some old you know fans that have been fans for a while are a little scared of change mm-hmm. but i think it's definitely... I, I remember not evolving my pikachu for ages because i didn't want to ride you yeah exactly but you know just like pokemon the franchise must evolve mm. too <laughs> But um, it's all come, yeah. It's all, it's all come around because um, I saw in the cinema the other day the next Pokemon movie is coming to British cinemas, mm. um, which I think it's been ages since it's been in the cinema and not direct to DVD. Well, I think last uh, the the last one, the I Choose You, the remake one, mm-hmm. again had like a very limited engagement in probably just London cinemas and a few others. 
I think I said in the first episode, Pokemon's now at a stage where they can both profit off of the franchise currently and also nostalgia for it. When Pokemon Sun and Moon came out, they all the advertising in London was based very heavily on the new like forms of the old classic Pokemon, rather mm. than any of the new ones. It was just like, here's a Raticate, but it's black now. Yeah, um, <laughs> here's a sassy meow from a re- really tall executor. <laughs> yeah, they, they only made new versions of the old ones, because they're just the classic ones that everyone knows. So, I don't know. I, I, too, was a little bit worried if this was, you know, completely where the franchise was headed, but they're making good business decisions, and I can't really fault them for that. Yeah, I just went, I've just come back from Japan, and uh, when I was there, I went to Pokemon Center DX, mm. which is the now the biggest Pokemon Center in Japan, so I'm guessing the world, unless there's bigger <laughs> ones elsewhere. But that was very shiny and fancy, and they had this big wall with all the Pokemon silhouettes. They had a sort of history of Pokemon screen. They had a touchscreen panel where you could look up any Pokemon and get the information about them. Plus, you know, just walls of plushy toys and everything. Mm. They had a Pokemon cafe as well, but I couldn't get in because (laughs) I think you had to either wait around a long time or reserve. It sounded like they're having a real big Pokemon party in there. I was a bit disappointed. Maybe someone was proposing... To their significant other in the Pokemon Cafe. It's reserved. I choose you. <laughs> um, Could you use a Pokeball on a human being? Genuine question. Well, well, well. <laughs> There's a lot of debate about what actually Pokemon are. And if they're even animals. Yes. Because it's like they, they only ever seem to eat fruits and other things in the, in the anime. Maybe in one of the 500 other Pokemon movie episodes you do, I'll talk about Pokemon fan theories because mm. there's many... I think it's a similar to a lot of things where a, we're not given a lot of information about how this world works. <laughs> if you think about it for too hard, it just doesn't in any way. Mm. It's like how is it, there's that theory. The business practices of the Isle of Sodor where... Um, oh, yeah. How Thomas the Tank Engine's entire rail network supports a very small island and doesn't really function economically and the same goes for pokemon doesn't it it's... but but the trains are the tourist attraction <laughs> that's the thing i, I mean also so islands of solo has more train accidents than any other <laughs> place in the world mm. they're back to save the world by popular demand An ancient legend is coming true. A force with the power that could threaten the entire balance of the world. Prepare for an all-new challenge and see how one person will make all the difference. Get ready for the greatest adventure they've ever had to face with Pokemon you've never seen before. Kids WB presents Pokemon the Movie 2000. So, we've been talking about whether or not you can improve on perfection, and (laughs) which brings us to the second Pokemon movie. Following the first movie, which um, I think most of us to varying degrees enjoyed. Um, Hamish said he wouldn't recommend um, (laughs) the first movie to even Pokemon fans. I ended up really quite liking the um, dramatic 
uh, Mewtwo vibes. Um, I've always like a, quite a great, nice villain. But here we are, <laughs> Pokemon yeah. 2000. If you if you want to hear our kind of Pokemon backgrounds, then listen to that episode. But I don't think we because we all saw the first movie in the cinemas. Mm. But I don't think any of us had seen this one at the cinema. No, it was not, by then. And I'm not sure <laughs> I had seen this at all. No, I don't think I have, or I've, or I've erased it from my mind. Mm. Um, when was the last time you saw this, Hamish? I think I've only seen it once, and it was on video at a friend's house. Mm. And back then, kind of the fact that you're watching a film is exciting enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, Particularly one with... Pokemon characters yeah, from the TV show and games. Even then, I remember having questions. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I think it's sandwiched between two more memorable Pokemon films. I think it's more to say that I don't really like recommending films to anybody because I don't like the the guilt <laughs> if they don't like it. But this one, I def I I don't know. It's it's not as exciting. <laughs> We also did our duty and uh, we watched, um, I think, two other uh, short Pokemon uh, things which came before the film. Short? I, I don't... <laughs> yeah, they felt like a lot longer than they actually were. I don't think going forward you're going to be beholden to watching these. No. Um, because the plot of Pikachu's rescue adventure didn't seem terribly different from Pikachu's summer, summer vacation. vacation. The only difference really was... There was no narration rendering the plot, if you want to call it that, even more um, difficult to understand. I guess in a nutshell... Or in an eggshell. In an eggshell. We're always giving me a quizzical look then. (laughs) Um, So this again was a a short shown uh, before the main feature and it features the the non... I was going to say the barely animated... Uh, human characters, but actually they're just standing there with their arms outstretched in a sort of yawning silhouette where they're saying, oh, we're going to have a break. And then Togepi, the egg-shaped Pokemon, rolls down a hill into... An abyss. A, an abyss, like a, a pipe of earth, a tunnel, if I want to... A pipe, <laughs> a pipe of a earth. A pipe of earth. Um, it probably is an onyx tunnel. Maybe. Gosh, something. the whole the un- underground of uh, Kanto must be riddled with... Um, Giant wormholes. Tuckabee mm. falls down a hole. That's the plot. That's the plot. <laughs> um, the rest of the Pokemon go follow him. Again, then we have some uh, a very lengthy uh, titles sequence, which is about five minutes of a twenty-minute film. Rory's well, just sort of quiet. He doesn't I'm know just quite like what waiting to say. for this to finish. <laughs> yes, um, I, I Rory, just... Rory checked his watch about two minutes in, and. This, I guess, does is about Pikachu trying to find Tuggerpy, but um, there's just nothing really to it, is there? I know you should say this about anything, any story, but it's just a bunch of stuff happens and then it ends. Mm. And it really is just, they find Togepi, um, but their journey back to the rest of the gang is thwarted by dancing flowers, mm-hmm. a storm... Yep. Eggs eggs get in the way. What I don't really understand about these is that they're not half-assed in the sense... Like, it was really cutely animated and it was really pretty. But just nothing of any note happens. And these shorts should be, like, the film's hype man. Or, like, (laughs) they should be the opening act and they should get you pumped for Pokemon. But it just makes me want to go to sleep. I've never understood my, like... 
our mother more mm-hmm. than Could... watching this and just being bewildered and confused. Um, I mean, this, this must have been a press screening as well. I imagine what the press screening <laughs> was like, where Mark Camoe just I'm like sure watching... everyone brought their kids. Yeah, they're sort of serious you know, Guardian film critics or whatever. Watch uh, Egg um, Executes turn into Ex- Exeter, the palm tree egg Pokemon, and think, huh. That... Well, that's the thing. I Something that's kind of interesting about these Pokemon films is... I, I, how much are they even trying to appeal to like non fans? Because these like shorts could, in a way, be used to like ease people into the concept of Pokemon or mm. something. But just like a bunch of eggs turns into a palm tree and everyone celebrates. Yeah, I mean, you could have with other films. I guess did they do some shorts with Strat from Ice Age preceding? Some other Blue Sky movies, or they probably did some Minion shorts in front of other Illumination movies. Mm. So, you know, maybe that's a way of getting things in. But there's, you know, because that's those kind of things, whether you like them or not, it's very visual, it's slapsticky, and it's aping classic, you know, Disney shorts or Looney Tunes shorts or or something, where it's just like, well, you don't understand, you don't, don't have to know the characters you can just enjoy the visuals and the slapstick without the need for dialogue. And these shorts these, could be these doing po- that. Yeah, but... These Pokemon just don't shut up, though. <laughs> like just... but, but it's the difference between Pikachu having a conversation, just saying <laughs> Pikachu repeatedly for a minute, and it's just nothing else is happening. <laughs> I mean, I see, yeah, I think I, I think what you're suggesting is it would be good. I think they just, like, stuff these films of all the Pokemon you're also going to see in the main film. And if it was just, like, this is Jinx's day... <laughs> well, that's actually what the second one was. Yeah, we... Which was a bit better. Yeah, interestingly. I mean, there's not really much else to say about the Pokemon Rescue Adventure... Rescue adventures is a funny expression, isn't it? I was just what would you firefighters call their emergencies rescue adventures or something? I don't know. I'll give it fourteen Pokeballs out of one hundred and six. Yeah, um so there's not much else to say about that, but the next the next feature, which was about three minutes long, on the page sounds completely disposable, but that actually gave us a, a frisson into the film itself, because it's called uh, a, I think it's a day in the life of Slow King. Now, Slow King is a... Um, <laughs> it's a, a, it's big, a funnier character than we've ever had before. Uh, we watched the, the Japanese cut of this. But was this short shown in the UK or no. in the West? It was it's Japan just only. Japan only. Okay. And it's like a David Attenborough documentary, but Attenborough is on helium because um, this um, Slow King is a sort of pink... Pokemon with a tail and a shell on his head and as the name suggests he seems to be some sort of deity creature and he it's just really following his day and he wakes up he go he talks about his favorite things how he likes to have breakfast which is a coconut and the narrator is like again with the helium voice just shrieking but I I think it's meant to be like a group of school children I don't know it sounds like more than one voice I suppose, I guess... I think it's meant to be like a group of kids, like, saying... Oh, kids. These are the things that... (laughs) Not the voice of angels. Slow King lights, it's... And he's like, mmm, seafood. Yeah. It's very preschool. Yeah, it didn't seem sophisticated enough for Western audiences. Did you think it was just 
like a very squeaky man? I don't, I don't know. It just seems like to be you're just watch Japanese documentaries are narrated like I suppose I honestly think these we've given these shorts mm. more than enough time well as I say <laughs> surprisingly enough though um you know it turns out that what I thought was a disposable or we'll just focus on this random Pokemon who lives in a temple turns out he's like a major character in the rest of the film I have things to say because I think even that is a stretch I don't <laughs> I, I don't know how much he contributes there's, well, he might have been my favourite thing. He's just he, yes, there. absolutely. I think he is. I think one of the highlights of the film. But you said that he's this mystical deity, and that's how I remember him. But I think he's just a wild slowpoke that just happens to be there. Like he's not. I mean, he could talk. Do all slowpokes talk? He's a psychic Pokemon, and and psychic and ghost Pokemon are given a bit more leniency mm. to talk. But he uses his mouth to talk psychically. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just talk. Yeah, talking psychically but yawning at the same time. Hmm. I have to watch again and work out if any other character other than Ash can actually hear him. But he had a see we in the three minute short in Japanese. He's got a I don't know. He's got. A, they went for a to a different place in the British or the UK not, in the American dub because he's got a silky smooth American voice. In the American one, I could listen to him. And a self-help book, Sloking Self-Help. If that voice actor narrated the novelization of this film, I would listen to that. Be all over that. <laughs> Both of those shorts, unnecessary. Are necessary. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Well, no, I, I think then... I appreciated knowing a little bit more about Sloking's well, death. Like you, <laughs> that really informs the character yes, you see in the I, film. He has coconuts for breakfast. I know where he is. <laughs> But like, how necessary is the actual feature? That's <laughs> well. Let's ask Tracy, who's the most necessary character in this film, because as we established in the last episode about Pokemon, we're a big Brock fans, and um, <laughs> then this nobody, this pretender, this man who I don't think once tries to grab the bottom of a nearby lady, or does <laughs> sort of any does seems to have. No interest in um, being a pervert like our, our resident uh, trainer. You haven't seen a sketchbook. <laughs> That's the thing. I read up why they... So Tracy is the third... Um, wheel. Wheel, I suppose. In, in So we join Ash, Ketchum, our, our protagonist, Misty, and then Tracy... <laughs> Tracy... <laughs> Who's replaced Brock, and he's only in I think like over thirty or sixty episodes. And I, I look thirty or sixty. <laughs> Did you count them all? No, Is I went this... to um, the resource of all uh, knowledge when uh, Hamish doesn't know, um, Bulbapedia, and they there's an interview with the and the creators of the Pokemon TV series, and they said the reason they introduced Tracy. Here we go. Um, it was revealed that the true reason they replaced Brock is because once they realised Pokemon was going to go global, there was a chance that Americans, if not everyone, anyone else outside Japan, would view Brock as a racist stereotype because of his eyes, even though there wasn't an actual complaint yet. So they created a tall, white, Anglo-looking character to replace him, just to be on the safe side. They later replaced him with Brock again once they realised that no one really cared as to what <laughs> Brock looks like, and actually enjoyed his character. So Tracy well, is just that's, that's a, a, a vanilla placeholder. We do get a Brock cameo. 
I know. Yeah. Very, very briefly. We, we, you perked up then, didn't you? <laughs> we both... Well, everyone pointed and went, It's Brock! <laughs> Who's that Like man? we were actual children. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Tracy does now in this. At one point, he pulls a rope. Um, but other than that... <laughs> Barely has any dialogue. He has barely any dialogue. Which is thankful, because he's got mm. an annoying voice too. Mm. You were so quick mm. to lay into Tracy mm. that you missed the whole start of the film. Yeah, I might not be finished with Tracy, but we'll, we'll <laughs> okay. see how we go. How does the film start then? Well, the film starts, we're introduced to our villain, voiced, I assume, by Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> but, unlikely, I didn't check the credits. No. But, that's the kind of voice we're looking at. And I have uh, no clue what his name is. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name? I had to refine his name because um, there's no mention in the film itself. I think he is called something like Lawrence, either Lawrence the third or Lawrence (laughs) three. We had Mewtwo. Yes. Now we have Lawrence three. Yeah. (laughs) According to Bulbapedia, he's called Lawrence three. And according to his stats, his hair color is Mantis. Uh, I clicked on Man- Mantis. Lawrence Mantis. No, I clicked on the the word the word Mantis was a hyperlink, so I clicked on that and it just took me to the Wikipedia description of a praying mantis. So um Are you sure it's not the shape of his hair? Because he's got some kind of like curls which are He does seem to put put a lot of work into his hair. He's got yeah. two obsessions, the legendary Pokemon and his hair. Um yeah, so Lawrence let's call him should we call him Lawrence Three? Lawrence. Yeah, well, well, I'll just. I think the villains Lawrence. are progressively going to be called. We're going to call like, just Larry. Dave Nineteen. <laughs> He's got a flying helicopter lair. Yep. Um, a fl- kind a of palace. kind of Doctor Robotnik esque, mm. I think. And his goal is to basically capture the titans of fire, ice, and lightning, which are revealed to be the legendary Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon. Who knew? Yeah, <laughs> the legendary Pokemon Moltres, Zapdos, and Articuno. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Uno dos tres. Uno dos tres. Catra, Sinker, Sinker says. That's what their names are references to. I see. I didn't do it in order then. No. Well, he doesn't either. And also, he, he wants to catch his titans, and he's on his way, and then his computer tells him what they are, and he's sort of... I don't know if he's surprised or why he's being told this. There's I a... knew there was a reason I did this flying palace. Yeah, I don't know. There's in this intro. Uh, there's a he's given a lot of information that I feel like he should already know. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, he says about nine times that once he gets all of them, the true prize will be revealed. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the the god of the sea or the beast of the sea. Beast of the sea. Sea beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mishi. Um, Mishi, the water giant. Yeah, and that's his evil plan, is to collect Pokemon. Yeah, Unlike they... our protagonists. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're skipping ahead. His, his his big monologue is about how he wants to capture all the Pokemon, and Misty... Well, not even all of them. All Just right. these four. I was gonna capture some of the Pokemon. Yeah. Gotta catch four of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, Just... Misty seems aghast, though, doesn't she? This is later. Yeah, his bag... He's a collector not a trainer, and I think through the film there is some sort of, I guess, I don't know, antagonism between collectors versus trainers. Gatekeeping. (laughs) So, yes, this was an element that I was one of the things that confused me as a kid when I first saw it. How old do you think you were? 
Um, How old were you in 2000? I should know this because you were born in I would have been 9 or 10. <laughs> Depending whether or not you're in Japan or the UK. I think it's. I think because we started this just talking about Tracy, I think it's okay to just talk about the villain for a bit. Mm. And I think this film, it reminds me a little bit of the Lego movie where the film is sort of... Ins- I, I like the Lego movie, but it's kind of like insulting the bad fans of its product. Mm-hmm. So this villain, his like dark origin story is that he went to see Pokemon the first movie and got his promotional Mew card. So that the card he's waving around at the end, that is what you got. That is the mysterious Mew card that got given away with the first film. Fucking hell. <laughs> and then he got that and started this dark path of wanting to gotta catch them all. Right. But as Misty says, that's disgusting because you're treating Pokemon like stamps or dolls. dolls, of which I had Pokemon stamps and dolls. <laughs> and like, it's a very odd direct insult to you then. Well, it's, I didn't feel, it's not that I felt insulted as a kid. I was just a bit confused what, why he was bad because as we sort of joked about in the film, we'd sort of joked that Ash should just like throw a Pokeball at Lugia and catch it. And it's weird how in this in the anime, and like Pikachu doesn't like being in his Pokeball, they make this strong suggestion that actually Pokemon training's kind of cruel unless you're the best friend. Right. And you have to break them. That's not something you couldn't do in the games. So there's no way of being an ethical Pokemon trainer in the games according to this thing, because it's literally saying that collecting them just to complete your collection is evil. Ash isn't very interested in collecting Pokemon. He wants to build up his little squad, mm-hmm. but mainly he's just trying to, you know, steal friends. <laughs> Basically, trying to capture animals and make them his friends and fighters. So Misty is is against the idea of collecting. She's more about... That's why she identifies herself and identifies Ash as trainers rather than collectors. But do you think it's also... Is it a slight attack at people who play the Pokemon trading card game as opposed to people who play the Pokemon video games? Because it all started with a Mew card. Mm. It's very strange. I don't know exact. I don't know what they're trying to say. So one of the Pokemon games actually features an evil team whose plan is to stop Pokemon training because they think making them fight is cruel. Mm. And that's like almost too good of a plan. So then you also discover that they want to destroy the world. And so I think maybe in the Japanese version, he was also, they maybe might have like emphasized a bit more that he's being reckless and what he's doing is destroying the world, Mm. which is what we kind of know. But they don't seem to say that to him. Maybe if they said what you're doing is destroying the world, he'd be like, oh crap, I live in the world, I don't want that. It, the, the most evil thing he does is that he uses this technology to like imprison the birds and it seems really painful. Yeah, I had a question about that. I mean, are there any, are there any rules about how to capture a Pokemon? I suppose the balls is the recogly, widely recognised humane way to do it. Well, I just wonder if this film instead had him catching those birds in Pokeballs, mm. would there be any villainous element to him at all? Because he doesn't kidnap the characters, they accidentally get caught it in is his shit. thing. He, all he wants is to collect rare Pokemon, which is the concept of the game. Yeah, I mean... He just has an evil fortress and a I British mean, accent. 
Oh, well, that's, that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've got an evil fortress and a British accent. Why do people think I'm a villain? Well, it's just like, so Giovanni, the kind of villain of the first game, who's very underutilised in the show, he wants to steal Pokemon, but it, they're shown very clearly at being very abusive to Pokemon. And they want to use them for, like, genetic experiments and all that stuff. I mean, he's, he also seems like a very just general collector, because he's got, like, vases and stuff. Like, he wants to... I mean, what is his ultimate goal? Is he wants to unleash the Beast of the Sea, but is it just so he can capture this Beast of the Sea, which is Ludia? And it just, oh, this will be the prize of my collection? Yeah, I guess maybe he wants to display things and get the clout. But no one's ever heard of him. So <laughs> doesn't even have a name. No, no, no one's heard of the guy who constructed a flying palace. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, I've seen several of those today already. But I see what you mean about, yes, if he was just using Pokeballs, it would be okay. Because when he does capture Moltres at the start of the film, a lot of the film is comprised with these birds just screaming. <laughs> and that tickled me so much. <laughs> I was just You're shaking I, I in the chair. I was, just, I was just thinking of in the recording studio, just voice actors going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, "You need to try a bit harder, I think." <laughs> it's more of a shriek. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, that's why you're not a voice artist. <laughs> no, <English. no. laughs> just one take and done. Imagine if one of the, one of the legendary Pokemon went. <laughs> Um, I have to say this opening reminded me a bit of Rescuers Down Under because that's about trapping an, ama- an amazing bird. Yeah. What happens next after we, we well, he shows his evil credentials? We get the title, The Power of One, with rad guitar riff. <laughs> oh, God, yes. It's the none more 2000, I think. Uh, I love that. There's some quite good bits of music. I wouldn't say the score itself was brilliant, but um, there was some nice sort of synthy music when his technology was being used. I liked Ludia's cry, Ludia's... Um, Pop song. Well, yeah, but like the song that they play to awaken Ludia, mm. that's quite a nice little tune, at least when it's been played on the kind of seashell conch ocarina thing yeah well a plot point was that um one of the characters called melody she has sort of like an ocarina type thing which replicates the sound of lugia and it's quite convenient that lugia makes a sort of an animal call and not lugia lugia Although we do discover he has quite a deep sultry voice oh he also talks halfway through the film ash meets slow king Says you can talk, and then moves on. And then by the second talking Pokemon, he's just totally cool with it. Lugia has the, the, the like dramatic entrance of a Pokemon that can talk. And he's already met like Mewtwo mm. and Meowth. And Meowth. <laughs> <laughs> Who is also a dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> so we anyway, so we're back to we're back to the gang. Back to the gang. Ash, Misty, uh, and Tracy, whoever, and, yeah, whoever that Pikachu guy is. Tracy. <laughs> and they're all on a boat on the orange Isle- on the orange islands taking a taking a break but then um they're also being pursued mm-hmm. by the aforementioned Meowth and Jesse and James the rest of team rocket who are in a pedal powered magikarp submarine mm-hmm. and the most significant team rocket 
plays in a movie. Oh God, they barely they barely, they barely but feature, but they do have a little arc. They they're the only characters with an arc. Mm. Maybe maybe the villain has a slight one, but it's not compared- an arc. It's a submarine. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, I, was just, I went there because it was of those team rocket puns. <laughs> it wasn't very effective. Um, <laughs> yes, they they really change. Yeah, and like they don't revert. Well, they do sort of at the end. I forgot, but like they they I I just remember in all the other films they make a I think in the next one they make a joke out of like well maybe we'll have a bigger role in the next one. Mm. Like they do feel a bit shoehorned in most of the time. I was forgot that they had like scenes. I think more films should have an inept comedy duo watching and commenting on the events. Like I don't know, maybe in the film Seven. There are these um, <laughs> other two low-key criminals seeing uh, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt skulking around the rain-soaked streets and just doing puns. <laughs> I don't know and breaking the fourth wall. And breaking the fourth wall. Team Rocket do often make us laugh in a very genuine way. Yeah. Like, they seem like the time where the, the translators and the voice actors are really just, like, having a ball and doing what they can to make the parents laugh. Yeah, they don't have any real plot lifting or exposition to do so they can just throw in a funny hmm. but they're the only thing that keeps the film going <laughs> well, it was a tolerable well that too i mean really it's just you're waiting until the next team rocket moment and yeah you know just hanging on to those those little nuggets of gold that said i don't know if anything has really beaten the swedish vikings from last time so what happens is there's a storm it's like the second Pokemon film in a row with a storm, and actually there's, there's loads of storms in this. There's film. a storm in the Pikachu short, and there's like there's a storm in the Pikachu short. There's like four different shipwrecks. I should have got Stormzy to do the song. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. But they um they mentioned the pun carp insurance because of their magic carp, and uh-huh. then they crash. I'm a bit embarrassed about saying they genuinely made me laugh now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the delivery. Mm. Our heroes, they all crash. It's it's um. Right on the beach, the, the storm quickly disappears, and on the beach they meet, um, I guess for want of a better expression, the, the natives, <laughs> an island of people who don't seem to have ever seen a Pokemon trainer before, because they have a prophecy about how a Pokemon trainer is going to save them. Is that? Am I getting this right? Mm. <laughs> Not sure. So they wash up on the island uh, right in time for this big traditional island festival Mm. the idea of the festival is (laughs) just having a good time (laughs) well one of the characters says it's my favorite island festival which leads me to think that the orange islands is filled with just tedious like well it's like the tuesday festival Mm. yeah i mean i think that's very a very japanese thing in terms of seasonal festivals and local festivals and and that big penis festival yeah, like the Big Penis Festival, <laughs> which not featured in this movie. No. Um, That'll be for a future one, I should hope. Mm. But the person, one of the people who are a part of this festival is a, is a girl called Melody, who we mentioned earlier. And she looks as cool as fuck when we first see her. She's wearing... <laughs> <laughs> I want to be that 10-year-old. I want to be her, yeah. She has... Um, handbag and sunglasses <laughs> and no so cool. she's just totally done of this shit and someone says yo be at the festival he says why I'll be there and then she kind of drops being cool for the rest of the film because she's just 
She's just part of the festival. She wears a, just a boring dress. and You can be cool, but also, you know, stay to your responsibilities and love your culture. Mm. The story was re-edited to be about the power of one, to be about Ash, the hero's journey, individualism. And I believe the Japanese version really plays that down and it is more about being kind of part of a unit or something. Teamwork versus chosen one. And the world yes. comes together. Very much maybe so. a, Maybe a film with that message was too dangerous for Western audiences and the war machine really <laughs> stamped it down for fear that this film might like start the revolution. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, a lot of children who watch this are now adults and... Um... <laughs> Some of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing about that, but... Very tragic message there. No, he said some of the children <laughs> that watch this are now adults. <laughs> True. <laughs> I guess when you phrase it like that, that's correct. So they're having, they're having this, this, this party, this festival. Um, and yeah, so basically Melody, her part of the festival is she has to perform this song, but also as, as Ash is a Pokemon trainer, he's involved with this big celebration because he is the chosen one. Oh, he seems really keen about being the chosen one, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, if someone came up to you and said, oh, by the way, you're the chosen one, mm. you'd be like, oh, all right, that's yeah. that's pretty neat. There's a film called Joe versus the Vol- Volcano, isn't it, where someone's chosen to be a sacrifice. And did, Ash kept going, listen to me, I'm Ash, I'm the chosen one. I, thought, I like how um, Melody's like sacred duty to perform at this festival, Misty just goes like, what a show off. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, so that's the thing is that Melody gets to, it like, kisses, kisses? Melody... gives her a kiss. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Melody kisses Ash and Misty is instantly jealous and like he's not my boyfriend. Yeah, this is it's a like, bit well, of a... so you won't care if I smooch Ash then. This is, this is a bit of a disappointing thread I found because I don't think Misty in a TV show has ever had a, held a torch for Ash. It's one of these weird things that I don't know. It's like really intense in like spin-off media, like the films or on the um, Pokemon cast recording album Pokemon. <laughs> To be a master. To be a master. There is a song from Misty's perspective about her, like, wanting to fuck Ash in his sleep. (laughs) (laughs) It's really strange. Yeah, Misty is defined by her relationship with Ash in this whole movie. She doesn't really get anything to do apart from act jealous. Mm. It reminds me a little bit of how in the Simpsons movie Lisa got a love interest suddenly. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, but I, I feel like it's... It's to do with making the film feel filmic. Like, it's just, oh, there's a love subplot. That's what films do. And that doesn't really ever come up in the show because they're too busy loving their Pokemon. Mm, and, and, well, this one's just, just a jealousy subplot, really, because, um, I don't know. Maybe that's why uh, Brock is not in this film because Misty put in a restraining order and uh, he wasn't allowed uh, near the Well, the when, when Brock's there, you don't need a sexual subplot because he's already... <laughs> yes, he is. He, he is, is the sexual subplot. <laughs> where Tracy is just completely void of anything. Yeah. Well, again, that thing where Mist- Misty is defined by being a Pokemon, a water Pokemon gym leader. Um, but in this one, she is absolutely just pining, getting annoyed at the implication of being... Uh, Ashes uh, a bit on the side. Well, the one, <laughs> the one opportunity she has to use her water Pokemon to go and save Ash from drowning, she just goes and swims herself, and then mm. they rely on Tracy, and he, he, that's when he has his big rope moment. <laughs> <laughs> Not hanging himself. Why does Tracy carry around a rope? 
like, Tra- Tracy as a character is defined purely by the fact that he just draws Pokemon, and he does that for about three seconds of the whole movie. Mm. We never see the drawings. Uh, Hamish, Hamish, as an artist, illustrator, um, is your dislike of Tracy purely out of jealousy yourself? What for his amazing drawing abilities? Well, we never actually see his drawings. We see no. Professor Oak draw at one point <laughs> for a television audience. He's asked by a news reporter about the islands of Pokemon, and he decides just to draw islands with sun and uh, electricity and stuff above. You but know. the beauty of that sequence is that he's got a multicolour pen. Oh. And he keeps flicking the different colours to draw fire and water and lightning. Mm. That's the attention to detail that you'll find here. See, that moment speaks a lot truer to the life of an artist, whereas <laughs> Tracy kind of constantly just like pencil sketching everyone and feels a bit more sociopathic. I know. Somebody once noted that I have the most beautiful um, <laughs> moleskin notebooks. Um, I'm, I'm flicking through one right now. Basically... I feel like I'm maybe someone who concentrates more on what my notebooks look like than the contents inside. Why are we talking so much about Tracy? <laughs> maybe that's Tracy. He he puts on the show of, look at me, I'm an artist. Let's see your work. No. <laughs> I think this is his only film. I, yes. think, he, I yeah. think he plays the block, 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 the Brock role in the next one where he's just sort of... Yeah, no, as I said, going back to his... I mean, I guess the reason we're talking about Tracy so much is because it's the only time we're going to see him. <laughs> he he showed up for a... I'm sure the Tracy, Tracy fan base is really loving this episode. I can't wait them to get for Pokemon 2000 so we can talk about Tracy. Yeah, well, um, according to his stats, he's in the least amount of episodes, but apparently, like, the most amount of intros, because he would show up in, like, the episode t- title sequences repeatedly. I think I just got his name. <laughs> No. What do you want to hear his surname? I think... Sketch it. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah Tracy Sketch Tracy it. Sketch it. When he was born, he was like, oh God, that's good. What's that? That's what I have to do now. What do you think Brock's surname is? In fact, actually, Tracy Sketch it. <laughs> Isn't it Peters? <laughs> what? I think, or is I think, that an actor? No, I think Brock, Brock Peters, Peters is the comic book character. Isn't it like... Oh, uh, I can't remember. I think it's a Marvel figure. Misty. Oh no! Is Misty Morning? No, Eddie. No, Eddie Brock is Venom. Yes. Okay. No, Brock Peters is an American actor. Uh, American actor. Yeah, yeah he was famous Brock for <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird and Soylent Green. Yeah. Oh, and he's um he's in Star Trek VI: The Undercover Country. Undercover. Undercover Country. Yeah. Oh, and he he he's, he plays Ben. The Undercover Country. Yeah, country. Yeah, like Rogue Nation. And anyway, um, yeah. yeah. So Tracy, he's he's no. I, I read that Tracy <laughs> is like the only one of Ash's friends who has a surname, which is true. We know Ash Ketchum. Pika, what do you think Pikachu's surname is? The Pikachu in the Pokemon manga is called Jean Luc Pikachu. Jean Luc Pikachu. Yeah, I thought that was an. I thought, do Japanese people even know what Star Trek is? It's amazing. The anime uh, was an interview with the artist in the back, and he says, "Japan's a bit behind on the rest of the world. I can't wait to meet Seven of Nine." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of, well, Japan likes Star Trek because um, when I was studying in Japan, my politics teacher, his email address was the Enterprise. Registration, yeah, registration number. We, uh, yeah. Probably his password as well. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go back to my Moleskin notebook. Where are we right now? So we're at the legend ceremony. Misty is calling Melody a show-off. 
but also the ferry boat, the boat captain, how they got to the island, we're introduced to this legend ceremony scene, and she's halfway, she's at the end of telling a joke. <laughs> and it just cuts, and it starts, and it just, we're dropped into the middle of her punchline, and she says... And she says, <laughs> no, but I have crabbies. <laughs> That's a weird joke for a kid's film. Well, she just has crabbies. Yes, <laughs> yes. the crabby Pokemon. Right, not crabs. We're not talking about crabs. <laughs> no. Why would you say such a thing? <laughs> There's not a Pokemon called, I don't know, Clap or something. <laughs> the Clappy. Um, I do think... Gonorrhea. <laughs> maybe maybe jokes like that are just there to bolt all the like parents back into like life. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what's <laughs> Dad, why are you laughing? <laughs> um, crabs. So, um, Ash, basically, to perform as part of being a legend... In the ceremony, he's got to collect three spheres, I think, from each of the islands. From the Fire Island, Lightning Island, Ice Island. Because that's how films work. You wouldn't find two orbs on one of the islands. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> a third extraneous island. Just like, well, it's like games. Video games often have that sort of a structure too. This is like a video game movie, isn't it? I forgot why we're here. Yeah. Well, he decides to set out early like ditch the party and start his quest already. Oh, he already. just can't wait, can he? Yeah, because he says fun isn't so important. <laughs> That's a good reminder for this film. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so he sets out uh, despite the fact there's all these crazy global weather events taking place. Back in Pallet Town, Professor Oak drops by Ash's mum's place and we find out Ash's mum's name. Oh, which I have forgotten. Was it... Delia, yeah, Delia, Delia, Delia Ketchum, Delia Ketchum, and Samuel Oak. I'm a bit disappointed. There's no pun in the, either of those names. Uh, in one episode of Pokemon, Ash gives his name as Tom Ato. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I, I was reminded of that because when um, Professor Oak and Ash's mum are having a conversation, there's a bit where suddenly the rain turns to snow, and there's like quite a long shot on the tomato. With just a drop of water <laughs> streaming down its tomatoey cheek like a tear. That's a fascinating observation. Why is the weather going all topsy turvy though? Ah, uh, I don't I, know. I don't really think there's a proper Sean reason. Connery in the huh. Avengers. Well, there is a, there's an underwater river that's so, that, so. Professor Oak does kind of explain it, where basically he says that the fire and the lightning and the ice of the birds is creating a underwater river that's running all the way around the world and throwing off all of like these natural disasters because mm. you do see a weather report and there's like proper floods going on mm. it's like the science <laughs> the science <laughs> part concentrate well he is a professor mm. he's never claimed to be a professor of pokemon he's actually a, <laughs> a weatherologist meteorologist what did you call yourself professor a weatherologist <laughs> But yeah, it's right about this point where I realise we, we just need a compelling villain. I'm sorry, I mean, Lawrence 3, just he's not making any impression. He's got like maybe only like eight scenes and largely on his own. And I think we're meant to believe that his, his actions are somehow forcing our heroes into action. But I don't really think they are. He's just a sort of secondary character. Mm. Who's, uh... he, he sits in this sort of circular telescope thing at one point, which reminded me of Obi-Wan Kenobi's mode of transport from Revenge of the Sith. He's got this sort of circle bike thingy. 
But I think the fact <laughs> that I was wishing I was watching a Star Wars prequel speaks volumes. I don't really know why anything's happening. I, I don't know who these characters are. I don't know what they what role they play in the story. Like, this is why, like, because Team Rocket are constantly commenting on their role in the story. Are they heroes? Are they villains? But Ash is just sort of told he's the chosen one, but doesn't do much other than collect orbs. I knew I was special. <laughs> uh, like, you were kept don't... on asking during the film, like, why are the birds fighting? Yeah, well, they, these birds get released and they just start wrestling each other. And I kept thinking I'd missed something. But I think I hadn't. I Meowth does translate. Zapdos also is a character with a natural motivation. <laughs> yeah. He, he, I think, just wanted to claim the other... They all want to claim each other's islands. Yeah, so Ash gets washed up on Fire Island and uh, grabs the Fire Sphere. Mm. Um, Which was just sitting there. And Zapdos, yeah, shows up and um, Zapdos is there because now that Moltres is out of the picture... He can lay claim to Fire Island too. I mean, these—he doesn't have to complete any kind of task. He just no. I mean, if there wasn't weather problems, it'd be very easy just to get them all. I mean, to, at the end, I mean, naturally, being the hero and all, the chosen one, I suppose he—he uh, he does get all the trinkets at the end of the film, and there's this moment when he's walking back to get, get the last treasure to give the last treasure, and it should be like. You should feel like you've been on an epic journey, but I just feel like he's been just running around, just doing fuck all. It's a very good adaptation of the games, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah. but Team Rocket also show up on the island, as you know, they just follow him around wherever they go, whether you know they're just washed ashore or flown into the air. But uh, they announce that they're going to uh, cause trouble on the big screen, mm. and Ash just says, "I'll have to catch it on video." Just like what we done. <laughs> so meta. Um, I mean, yes, um, Meowth at one point says, um, I think when they're approaching a stormy island, he says, I've seen this movie. And I think, was that, was he referencing the first film at some point? I guess so. It's just like a proto when did When did The Perfect Storm come out? <laughs> well, did The Perfect, I don't think they approach an island with a mysterious legendary Pokemon on it in The Perfect Storm. <laughs> I, I didn't see the movie. No. How many of the films you cover take place on islands? We'll find out, won't we? <laughs> Most. <laughs> Most have an island. I, I mean, swear I've heard I... you say they get taken to a mysterious <laughs> island. Oh, right, you're talking about Pokemon movies. Or... No, no, just all of them. Dead or Alive. Like, um, to- Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, Dead or Alive. Pokemon 1, Pokemon 2. <laughs> Pokemon 1, Pokemon 2. I mean, that's House a... of the Dead. Yeah. Isn't on an island. I haven't done Mortal Kombat yet. <clears throat> Mortal Kombat's weird. Yeah, that's, a, that's coming. But also Team Rocket. Yeah. This is where they comment on... Sexuality? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Finally confirming the rumours that have plagued their career. Hmm. JC says this is why I don't get involved with... No, why did put... she say that? Though? She, <laughs> she says... It. No, the, it's to do with Misty and Melody's jealousy and constantly commenting on boyfriends and girlfriends and blah 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 blah. And then Melody mentions, like, you'll have lots of time to sort this out on your wedding day. Like, ew, gross. And then Jesse pipes in, un- like, yeah. uninvited, saying, like, this is why you don't get involved with the opposite sex. I still well clear. And then James says, like, agrees, saying, like, I did actually 
record <laughs> the moment because it was so awe-inspiring. James agrees, saying that, yes, I never get involved with the opposite sex. And then Meowth says, you don't because you've got each other. Mm. And they both seem very kind of grossed out by that. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, Confirmed. Confirmed. I, I feel there's... A, I feel there's evidence throughout the franchise. I think um, the vo- like the voice actor of James has said that in the first episode that Jesse and James appear, they're very sinister and quite scary. And then he was shown kind of designs for the rest of the series. And I was like, oh, I've got to camp this up. Mm. There's a line in one of them when he dresses up as Moltres. As, as a what? Uh, as Moltres. The, Moltres, but, the... the... The bird thing we've just okay. watched a whole movie about. Oh, right. Um, he, he he jumps out dressed as it going, I am a flaming Moltres! <laughs> and then um, <laughs> Jesse like says... And then Jesse says, mm-hmm. where did he get that costume? And Meowth says, with a sigh, it just came out the closet. Well... Wow. That's the book close on that. So, but yeah. No, absolutely. I hope I'm. Are, are Team Rocket in the most recent newest Pokemon movie? They are still there, still trying to get that Pikachu. Good stuff. Listen to me, kid. When you get involved with the opposite sex, you're only asking for trouble. Yes, and that's the kind of trouble I stay out of. Right. Um, what <laughs> happens next in this film? We've got sidetracked by the sexuality of two inept cartoon characters. <laughs> They all get captured in Lawrence's floating <laughs> palace. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this but like as I said before, it's not he doesn't kidnap them. They just no. Are... Imagine if Lawrence. Sorry, I interrupted. Well, no, but just like he he's not antagonistic. He explains himself. He just says, "I'm a collector," and they seem really aggressive towards him. I just they're just jealous I, of his I floating just, palace. I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show the other day. And imagine if Lawrence was Frankenfurter. He's in a flying kind of house. Like... Come up to the lab. Yeah. <laughs> do, they do go up to, like, he's got, like, a whole palacey thing. Anyway, uh-huh. I think... <laughs> <laughs> this is like Rocky Park and Pitch Show. Why? They I... go up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd watch the Brocky or a Pitch Show. Oh! oh. Rocky! <laughs> <laughs> um... Anyway, um, yeah, so he he does do his little monologue, and he's called he's he's told he's disgusting for wanting to capture some, not all Pokemon. Um, yeah, he's he's caught Zapdos and Moltres in their big screeching cages, mm-hmm. and Ash tries to break them out just by running into the cage. Yeah, face first. That's kind of his thing: is run straight into something and hope it breaks and get electrocuted somehow, or you just shout. Well, at he, it he to now, make them stop doing something. Well, you hear about plot armor in fiction where a character can't be killed because they're intrinsic to the plot. But he now knows that if Pikachu ever cries over him, um, he is protected by uh, tear armor, I suppose. But um, if he dies so much, Pikachu will become numb to pain. <laughs> yes. And will never cry again. Never cry. I mean, a bit later on, there's a bit of. There's a moment. Where um, Team Rocket have turned to the side of good and they are hanging off uh, Ash, I think, or they're hanging off the legendary Pokemon Lugia. Lugia, yeah. Lugia, and they realise Lugia can't fly with their body weight, and so James James suggests that they uh, let go. What? <laughs> James what? suggests. <laughs> well, look, James suggests they let go of Lugia. 
And I thought... <laughs> 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 you don't tell if you're crying or you're laughing. The reason I'm laughing is because Jessie readily agrees to this, but I half expected her to just keep hanging on while <laughs> Jessie and well, James and Meowth just let go. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so I'm going... Why am I talking about that? Well, but they, they sacrifice themselves to the greater good. Yes, they do. For the but yeah, the, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. They have the arc. Mm. They, they're the ones who... I mean, it's quite an emotional moment, all things considered. Well, it starts off with a Weight Watchers gag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where they say, we're too heavy, so, you know. Let's get to Weight Watchers. It's like, no, you can start at any time. Oh, yeah, they said it's too late for that. No, I've heard you can start whenever you want. It's not too late. But yeah, because they... <laughs> I know that's kind of a joke, but it's also an insane thing to say in the life or death situation. Yeah, but that's the, they, they sacrificed their lives effectively, and, you know, they do a little reprise of the Team Rocket anthem and say. They but... say, uh, let us not say goodbye. Let's just say, we're gonna die! <laughs> <laughs> they blast into the ice. It's, um. <laughs> I want those to be my last words. This is what I'm saying. They are funny in a way that's not just like they were more. They were moderately entertaining in the dull thing. They're just unironically funny. Is this? I, mean, I skipped ahead a little bit. These the birds escape. All our heroes escape, and the birds escape yeah, the they palace. Break, yeah, they break and them out. All three birds are now flying around. The palace crashes, and I I honestly couldn't say if this was. Like the end of the film, or halfway through, and unfortunately, it was the latter <laughs> because there's a whole lot more film to go, isn't there? Yeah, the birds are all fighting, I mean, but this... you were trying to work out why they were fighting. Just yeah, the second half of the film is a lot of not great animation of birds flying around, zap- shooting fire beams at each other. I'd say actually, generally, the film, in terms of how it looks and is animated, is a bit of a step down from the first film. It feels less visually interesting. The designs aren't very, you know, mm. much better than anything in the in the TV series. It doesn't really seem so cinematic, apart from some, you know, CG. Well, the floating palace is rendered in computer graphics, yeah, and, but... and that's. About it, really. It doesn't look great, though. No. I mean, the rotors are rotating. It's got these, um, like, rotor blades, like a helicopter, but they're moving really slowly, so... Not enough to support a palace of that size. I question the physics of uh, this flying palace. But, yeah, they just sort of fight, but I was saying it's like rock, paper, scissors. If you put a rock, a piece of paper, (laughs) and a pair of scissors in a room... They'll just start fighting each other. <laughs> they are they rowdy boys make do. <laughs> You're right. I thought something had happened to make them fight each other. And while I suppose being captured might make you a bit cross, it just was filling time. I don't know. Ash has put on like, the third and final quest to get the thir- third and final uh, magical orb. And by uh, Slow King. By Slow. So they meet. The they sil- meet Slow King. Mm. We've we've had glimpses of him and again he speaks English and he says at one point just because he's covered in snow I could use some pants Hmm. (laughs) yeah he's got kind of like a Garfield-y type he reminds me of Garfield's voice I mean (laughs) I mean Basically, he's got... John Arbuckle's going to crawl out of the cave naked. I I think what's weird is that he has just a very 
more than any other characters, and that includes the humans. He's just got a very naturalistic voice. He's just got. It almost feels like a Owen Wilson or something. He doesn't. He doesn't feel like he's putting on a voice. It's, it's like it's. It's you know. It's not like Pikachu going Pika Pika Pika. You could almost say the person doing it wasn't even acting. <laughs> you, you could perhaps suggest that. I think maybe he didn't know he was voicing a Pokemon. Yeah. And just it's just I'm playing a human who wishes he had pants. <laughs> <laughs> people voice actors brought on I mean these kind of people voice all kinds of weird anime all the time but you know what does the director say like how does he get into this character I'm like well you're a lonely pink psychic hippo yeah maybe you show I show I saw a picture of my character and I knew exactly what voice to use <laughs> well, well <laughs> go ahead no I you go ahead go ahead uh, I don't want to talk about this the, no more the great guardian Ludia is unleashed is that because they're just all together? Yeah, I think so. All the birds are fighting, so Ludia shows up. And, and, and the Lu- birds like vanquish Ludia pretty yeah. quickly. Something that I don't know, so a bit disappointing. When the birds to to make Ludia appear, you need to have the birds together, but they live on islands really close to each other and fly around all the time. Yeah. So is this the first time they've ever met? It's interesting, yes. It's, it's, um, very... it's not exactly the four corners of the earth. <laughs> the fire one is on Fire Island. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but according to the legend, the earth will turn to ash. Yes. Ash being the name of... Oh, our protagonist. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that he didn't give... his. I think in the... Game, you also have the option of calling him Red, and it would have been like, and the seas turn red. <laughs> yeah, they could work with that. They could. It wasn't like the earth will turn to Graham. <laughs> <laughs> but the like, of the earth will turn to Gary. You were saying, because he's called Satoshi in the Japanese one, like, yeah. this must be just an element that's completely for the. Yeah, it must be. For our, a treat for us. <laughs> a, treat, a treat for us. A little bit of uh, Western wordplay. Western meaning English in this example. But yeah, Slow Chain says, unite the spheres, and then the birds will be chill. <laughs> you sound really thrilled. <laughs> I thought it was, um, I mean, Lugia does appear, and, and that he can speak English, which I found was really convenient, because he's got exposition to deliver yeah. um, about what Ash needs to do. But you know what? We, we did finish watching this film only an hour or so ago, and I can't remember how he utilises Lugia to solve the problem. Anything. To solve anything. He climbed on his Lu- back. <clears throat> well, Ludia explains, because Ludia is restored by the Melody's song. Uh, Ocarina. Yeah, Ocarina. and so he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm resurrected again, but you still have to unite the spheres, Ash, and it's up to you. They had to use Melody's Ocarina because no one can cry on Ludia down there. He's under. He was underwater. Yeah, Pikachu's tears won't uh, Ineffective. He puts some balls on a on a on stand, a and uh, and then <laughs> no no well, just he has to get he has what to get he has to get the third sphere yeah so he goes to Lightning Island, mm-hmm. Ice Island, whichever yeah it's the one made of lightning though <laughs> everything every island is covered in ice and Team Rocket say this is our chance to be heroes but they say that immediately after Professor Oak. And Professor Ivy and Ash's mum crash land in a helicopter. Yes. And I thought, oh, they're going to rescue them. But yeah. it's just like, no, they ignore this downed <laughs> helicopter. They're probably fine. And go help Ash and Pikachu with their um, hovercraft dinghy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were going to do a full die another day um, surfing mm. uh, with a whatever, whatever James Bond was doing that day. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, anyway, they get to the island, they retrieve the sphere, Ludia picks them up in a Lord of the Rings style. Could have done this at the start, but no, I couldn't. Yeah, kind of deal. And they fly back. That's when Team Rocket decide to Die. kill themselves. <laughs> what an, what an arc. <laughs> but it's okay because they live. Ludia flies back to the island. Ash puts the sphere in the monument. All the birds are like, cool. And, and then a giant... Melody toots a tune. Then the water... The underwater river creates a sort of rainbow that looks like it came from James Cameron's The Abyss. Yes, a big rainbow of rain, I suppose, of water. The villain says, pits up his mute card and is like, how it all began and how it will all begin again. Mm. So that's, he's threatening he might return. He's threatening that he might start catching Pokemon again. Yeah. Does Lawrence the third, Lawrence three reappear? I don't even think... No. He trips over his shoelace and breaks his neck. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, yeah, as I you feel, can see. as you can see, yeah, we're like struggling t- to remember anything. Talking about the first movie, which conveniently enough is called the first movie, there are bits in it I remember. There is images I remember. Um, there are, even though it's really glossed over, there is there are discourses on what am I a Pokemon or a slave. Or both, or something like that. And this is just a whole lot of filler for half the film, where birds are screeching at each other. And I can't think of anything visually impressive or iconic or or anything which thematically lands. As I say, I got the most enjoyment, really, after three minutes of Sloking talking about his breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sloking makes the the final kind of... The film ends with... Team Rocket sort of debating over whether they're good guys or bad guys anymore with Sloking. Mm-hmm. And Sloking tells him that all the people watching out there realise the good you've done. So they suddenly become self-aware they're in a movie again. Gosh, and they, they have to last another like 20 years with this knowledge. Like, yeah, exactly. They're just puppets, but they can see the strings. For once, we were heroes. Too bad nobody saw us. Guess again. Huh? Huh? What did you say? Lots of people saw what you did out there. And all of them are watching you right now. Oh, then I guess the bad guys are finally good guys. Yeah, I think Sloking would have been my favourite thing. He is my favourite thing in this film. And which surprised me because I didn't even realise he was going to be in this film. I had no idea he talked until this film. I know, we had the narrator at the start. I was just trying yeah. to work out. We did have that... the narrator, because he's like, Ash and Pikachu are... Oh, yeah, when, 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 he, when the narrator started, I was like, oh my God, I've missed you so much. <laughs> um, especially through the rescue adventure. But that's all we hear from him. We don't hear mm. from him at the end. No. You imagine him doing... He checked out during the, <laughs> during the climax. He was like, okay, I'm done. I'm not waiting around for all this bird battles. Yeah. Bird anyway. Battles. Angry Birds was... Yeah. That's what we said. This was this was officially the Angry Birds movie. The Angry Birds movie. So I mean, I, I've said my bit really. I, I so I don't think I would recommend this. Sadly, I, I still recommend the first. 
I think we're cautiously optimistic about the third. <laughs> it's the one I remember thinking was good. This podcast is generally very positive, you know, and it looks for the good and things. And I think that's a high of the Pokemon film franchise, which is on a certain level of enjoyment. But like, the, I'm already talking about the third one. This one is um, pish. <laughs> <laughs> the film, I mean, it has uh, some notable legacy. Such as? Explain. Um, well, I mean, okay, so it was nominated for Worst Achievement in Animation <laughs> in uh, for the 2000 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. We mentioned the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards again. <laughs> something never heard of, mm. only in relation to, I think, Alone in the Dark. But uh, it lost out uh, to Digimon the Movie. What? In terms of Worst Achievement in Animation. But Digimon the Movie is an actual classic. Nah, it's not. <laughs> Nah. Where, where's Digimon now? We're getting a, a 21st it's Pokemon Digimon's movie. still going. It's a what? successful... It has a successful anime series. It had a get PS4 I game. I don't see anyone like. playing Digimon Go on the bus. No. Um, that's shocking. <laughs> but the uh, other things as well as... We mentioned Westlife earlier in the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. We also have Pokemon, um, as in Polka-mon <laughs> from Weird Al Yankovic in yeah. the credits. Um, but the other thing was the, the song The Power of One... Mm-hmm. Uh, which plays over the end credits by Donna Summer. Um, what? Yeah, Donna Summer. She sings The Power of One. Oh. Um, <laughs> during former Republican candidate for President of the United States, Herman Cain, his presidential campaign, he quoted heavily from that song. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> And apparently misattributed it to sort of poetry and then misattributed it to um, the closing song of the 2000 Olympics. And people kind of questioned him on it. And he was like, oh, no, actually, it came from a song from the Pokemon movie. (laughs) Well, fair play. Oh, I think in this day and age, I'd much rather have a a presidential candidate or a governmental candidate citing the... I mean, so he finally admitted, like, when he announced that he suspended his presidential campaign, he again quoted these lyrics acknowledging that they came from a Pokemon movie. If we don't get this economic engine moving by putting fuel in the engine, all of the rest of it won't matter. A poet once said, Life can be a challenge. Life can seem impossible. But it's never easy. When there's so much on the line, we have a lot on the line. Send Washington a message and send a business problem solver to Washington, D.C. Congressman Paul. Well, didn't didn't we say last time how one politician quoted you two in a campaign? I thought maybe this was maybe this was it. Oh uh, no, I think it was different. They, they said like, oh, no. in the, to quote Mewtwo, it is not the conditions of one's birth that matters; it's what you do with the gift of life that defines you. Oh, okay. And then Hillary Clinton did famously say, "How about Pokemon go to the polls?" <laughs> um, so yeah. Well, I do like that video of uh, Barack Obama um, obtaining the power of the Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> oh yeah, Chaos Control. <laughs> Um, there's also that famous picture of uh, Barack Obama quote. I think it might be Click Hall or something like Barack Obama with Geodude. <laughs> it says uh, Barack Obama, anime is real and Geodude is my friend. <laughs> um, 
So there's a lot of politics in these films, but uh, I, I don't know. I, my feelings of this film is they made a second Pokemon movie. What is there left to say? <laughs> I, well, I think, <laughs> I think they kind of, they had to because they called the first movie the first movie. They didn't make a second Doug movie. <laughs> it's true. And on that note, where can people catch up on us? In fact, Hamish, what have you been doing lately? What, have you, what do you want people to see? Um, not this. <laughs> I no, it's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Hamish Steele and all the things. Uh, I'm in the latest issue of uh, The Wicked and the Divine. Mm. Um, they did a comedy special to, uh, available to all good comic shops. And that's about it. I do my own podcast. I do Box Not Included, looking at LGBT representation in media. Um, and I do a ghost one called The Poltercast. And, uh, you seem very embarrassed at that. That's a good name for a, po- a ghost <laughs> podcast. Say that again with pride. The Poltercast. Mm. Um, we just did a Scooby Doo special. Um, so yeah, I'm wherever you get your Hamish Steel content <laughs> from. Please rate and review and subscribe to me. And uh, I am on Twitter as Only Man Who Can, uh, and I'm do I do stand up comedy, and so check out my feeds about when I'm doing that. And I'm at Rory Steele, and you can also check out Gamer Disco for all your video game club night needs in and around the London area. I think we're doing a Pokemon special this month, so um, find out more on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. You can also find out more about games on film and all the latest uh, silly news and memes and stuff about video game movies. Um, on Twitter at Games on Film Pod, Facebook.com slash Games on Film Pod. All episodes are on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Games on Film Pod. You can email us, Games on Film Pod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, the music from this episode and every episode was done by David Lightfoot. What are we doing next time? Well, I think we're staying in the realm of anim- animation. It is the Netflix series Castlevania. Ooh. We're already missing Halloween, <laughs> so we decided to return to um, the land of ghouls and ghosts. No, it's not called Transylvania. It's Wakandia, I think. No, no that's Black Panther. That's Black Panther. It's Wallachia. Wallachia. <laughs> yes, uh, the the second season of it um, came out about a month ago, and we're going to be tackling seasons one and two in a episode. Uh, so join us then on Games on Film. Thank you again, Hamish, for joining us. I'm sorry we had to put you through this one, but maybe next time you join us in an episode, it'll be something interesting. <laughs> uh, I hope so. Right. So, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. I um, have been Hamish, and I continue to be. <laughs> and this is Games and Film, blasting, blasting off, off again! again!